0: Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt guybe Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast devotees. The great Matt guybe here with you once again on a cool day. In the beginning of April, it seems a lot cooler than it should be here in the Pacific Northwest, and yet uh, my heart is warmed and filled to be with you today and share some great truths with you from the book of Philippians. This is uh, the third lesson in our series on Philippians that we'll be going through in the next few weeks or so as as God leads, and the last time we were together, we went through chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 11, Fellowship in the Gospel. Now today's title, I've titled this, Advancing Through or in Adversity. Advancing Through or in Adversity, Philippians 1, 12 to 26. Philippians 1, 12 to 26. And this um, this this portion of scriptures has four, what I call, rubber meets the road type traits or qualities that should be evident in every Christian life. Uh, Four, rubber meets the road qualities or traits that show Christian maturity, uh, whether we have it or whether we don't. Uh, If we don't have it, we can grow into it. If we do have it, we can increase in it. And these four themes that we're going to go through today are these. Number one, adversity means to advance. Number two, rivalry causes rejoicing. Number three, Testing produces triumphs. And number four, death unveils delight. So what we're going to do is is what we'll do right now is we'll just break these down one at a time. We'll go through the first one. And what, what we'll have here is we'll read three or four scriptures on each theme, and I'll break those down. For the first one, it's adversity means to advance. Excuse me. Adversity means to advance. Reading from the New King James Version, uh, verses 12 to 14 of chapter 1. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance, and some translations say advance, of the Gospels, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains... Are in Christ, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So let's go through those uh, 12 through 14 and let's break that down. Adversity means to advance, Um, and when we're under adversity, we have the opportunity to advance. Um, Sometimes I'd say, for a lot of us, uh, especially when we're first walking with the Lord. Uh, we don't always advance too easily when there's an obstacle or a trial or adversity in the way, but that is what God desires for us to do, is to advance through adversity. That's what Paul was doing here. Paul was in the trial of being under house arrest there in Rome when he wrote this epistle, and yet he was still advancing in, in the gospel. He was still showing... Uh, you know, furtherance of the gospel and advancing the gospel. Why he was in chains there under uh, the Praetorian Guard of um, Nero's palace guard, and yet he was sharing the gospel. Uh, verse, uh, you can see that, and uh, in this verse here, um, it has become evident. Verse thirteen, it says, "To the whole palace guard, that my chains are in Christ." because he wouldn't shut up about the gospel. He didn't let himself, being under house arrest, um, keep him from doing as much as he could for the gospel. I mean, he probably would have rather been out on another missionary uh, journey. He had three or four trips that he'd taken. Um, But he, like he said in Romans also, he was allowing all things to work together for the gospel's good, for the good of the gospel. Uh, All things work together for those that are in Christ. So he was under house arrest, but he was still advancing. And that's, that's a real testimony to us, is it not? Let's read some cross-references to this. 1 Timothy 4:12 to 15 Let no one despise your youth. And this is Paul talking to his protege, Timothy, of course. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. "...till I come, give instruction or attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership." Paul laid his hands on him and anointed him to be the young pastor of the church. "...meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them." That in your progress or in your advancing, I want you to make note of that word, it all may be evident to all. He was advancing. He was progressing in your progress, in your advancing. It's the same word that was used in this verse in Timothy. The same word was used um, when we read verse 12 of chapter 1 here, Philippians, furtherance, and advancing are the same greek word it means going forward it means progressing and and that's that's what they were doing let's look at another uh great scripture you know we talk about um, the new being in the old or the old and the new and the old is a typological picture a lot of the old testament um, that God would enhance and bring out through the truths in the New Testament, and here is just such an example from Second Chronicles, 20, 20 to 21. This is a really good uh, story or account of showing advancing even under a very trying situation and very adverse situation. And this is Jehoshaphat and Judah. Um, they were going to be under attack. Uh, from the Moabites, from all these heathen people. Uh, verse 20, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people... He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of His holiness as they went out before the army uh, and were saying they were going to praise the Lord, right? Uh, The the setting is this. They were under great attack. Many hundreds of thousands of men from the Moabites and uh, these um, heathen nations had come against them there uh, and... Jehoshaphat had prayed to the Lord and the Lord, through another prophet there, if you read, you need to read those, that chapter, chapter twenty, Second Chronicles 20, had brought him a, a word, uh, you would call it a word of um, knowledge maybe, uh, a prophetic word of what they should do, and they were to set the singers out in front of the army to sing praises to God. Can you imagine that in this adverse situation? And look at some of these words here. Um his pro. Uh, let's see, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established, believe his pros- prophets, and you shall prosper. Prosper, say Se-la, selachai, selachai, selachai. To advance, prosper, make progress, push forward, or break out. Isn't that interesting? To prosper, to break forward, to advance, just like we're talking about. Uh, the Hebrew word means the same as we've read, in Philippians, as the Greek word, to advance, even though they were under attack, you will prosper. As you, put, as you begin to concentrate and worship the Lord, you're going to prosper in this trial, right? And so then let's go on. Um, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing, that is the singers, to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before. Now that's a key phrase, went out before the army. Okay, went out before. You saw, you saw to proceed to move forward, in front to advance. Same kind of concept, same kind of thing as advancing. And they were advancing for certain in adversity. Hundreds of thousands of you know the enemy had gathered against them. And what what was what was the strategy that God asked them to to implement through the prophet? but to go out and have singers sing praises to God. And what happened, if you've read the account, if you're familiar with it, if you've been a Christian long, you know that as they sang, these enemy forces were all confused and they actually killed one another. And God gave a great victory that day. Let's read another cross-reference. 1 Thessalonians 2.2 But having both suffered before, and having been injuriously treated, as ye have known in Philippi, we were bold in our God, to speak unto you the good news of God in much conflict. We were bold in our God. You know, Paul's boldness brought boldness in others. You know, most of the brethren in the Lord became confident of my chains. It says, uh, Philippians 1.14, I'm referring back. And are much more bold to speak the word. Why? Because they saw how Paul was being used of God to bring, you know, the Praetorian guard to Christ. And that gave them boldness. He was an example. We were bold in our God, it said in 1 Thessalonians 2.2. 2. Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. <clears throat> And it's interesting, you know, Paul was under that adversity, just another note here. You know, possibly, you know, God would have done it another way, but, you know, I like to think of it this way. God opened the door for Paul to write three of the best letters that he had ever written. Ephesians, which is one of my favorites, Colossians, and Philemon, the prison epistles, you know. Because he was in in prison there under house arrest, he still had somewhat of a little bit of freedom. He was able to write these these epistles. You know, he just yielded to God in that situation. He didn't he didn't let this uh, bog him down. He didn't let the advance. Uh, he he didn't let I should say the adversity stop him from advancing. You know, um, that's such a beautiful picture. So, point number one: adversity means to advance. Let's go on to the next one. Rivalry causes rejoicing. That's point number two. Rivalry causes rejoicing. Let's read verses 15 to 18, Philippians 1:15 to 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Wow. What a powerful statement, these verses. Rivalry causes rejoicing. Paul wasn't all caught up and worried about his ministry that he was being set aside from because others were now kind of taking his place, and some were doing it, you know, out of spite, out of envy, wrong motives. Others might have had an okay motive, but the gospel was still going forth And that's what Paul had his eye on. That's what he was thinking about, and he was rejoicing in that. He truly trusted God, uh, even though he was in jail, that God was still advancing the gospel. God was still doing a work. Let's read some cross-references here. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-7. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-7. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. There is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I'm of Paul, another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Paula Apollos? And what is Paul? We are only servants through whom you have come to believe, as the Lord has assigned to us each a task. I planted seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So you have to first look at the condition of these two churches. Philippians was a a really good church, and Paul had a real uh, soft place in his heart for them, a special place, because they were one of the few churches that he allowed to support him. We talked about that before, and we'll talk about it again. And, you know, they didn't have a lot of problems. They might have had one minor one that we'll get into, but the Corinthian church was a mess. And they were still pretty worldly. They still were, looked at things and compared people with people. And, you know, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, you know. And Paul, like I said, he wasn't hung up with that. He knew that, you know, the gospel was getting out there, that he had something to do, and Brother Apollos had something to do, and he wasn't in, you know, he wasn't competing with Apollos. He wasn't all worried about his status as an apostle. Um, he was trusting the Lord. And, and yet those people there, they were still quarreling. They were still worldly, the way they looked at things. A lot of Christians are like that. Let's look at Acts 8, 12 to 17. You can read that yourself. But it's the example of uh, Philip had witnessed to those in Samaria, and they received the gospel and came to know the Lord. But then he sent for James and John, or they came, uh, and they... Shared the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the people. You know, Philip could have gotten jealous and said, Oh, I don't need you down here. I can share that message. But he, he knew that they were more gifted in that. So he did that. And what happened? He went along and gave him, God gave him another assignment. He got up in the chariot of the, of the eunuch, right? And won him to the Lord. He would have missed that opportunity have had he been all uptight. And wanted to stay there in Samaria and do all these things, you know. Um, That's what I'm talking about. Rivalry causes rejoicing because, you know, it's just like, um, I I like to use the example, the metaphor of a football team. Paul didn't care whether he was the quarterback, the running back. I mean, sometimes he would be because he's a head apostle. Or just a lowly, you know, uh, blocking a blocking, you know, um, lineman, so to speak, for the gospel. He wasn't all worried about that. So many people today are, you know. He was just yielded to God in whatever God wanted at the moment. Um, And he wasn't all caught up in his ministry versus Apollos' ministry or, you know, Peter's ministry. I mean, uh, Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Isn't that good? Galatians five fifteen to sixteen talks about fruits of the flesh devour, but fruits of the spirit bring life. Let's look at James three fourteen to sixteen. These are good cross, cross references for us on not getting all caught up in in rivalry and contention, but supporting each other in the work of the ministry. But if you harbor bitty, I'm sorry, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. <clears throat> Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven but is earthy or earthly, unspiritual, demonic. but where you have envy and selfish ambition, see their selfish ambition, there you will find and devour every and all these evil practices. you know and also in James he talks about the wisdom of God is peaceable, okay it, It's a peaceable fruit. Um, it comes down from heaven, bringing us the peace of God. Um, and we're talking about rivalry could cause, uh, you know, great contention. But in this case, rivalry caused rejoicing for Paul because he just was taking, um, you know, glory in the fact that the gospel was still going out, even though he was in chains, and he was giving the gospel out too, you know, to those Roman guards. First Peter two one. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind and and this point will bring it home i wrote down here i want the biggest tent because i was reminded of a series of books i had that are probably back from you know right after the apostles all died off to present day called god's generals and back in the you know all about the great men and women of god you know from history and um It gives uh, good stories about each one, good biographies. And there's the time of what they call the latter rain, uh, back in the 40s and 50s when God was um, using different men and women to do great miracles. Lester Summerall, A.E. Allen, William Branham, uh, uh, I believe we could even put... um, Uh, who is it? I was reading about Catherine Kuhlman today. And God was used, God used them to, to heal people of diseases, of broken legs. I mean, they'd be healed. Amazing miracles were taking place. And yet there were still people that were, you know, contentious and, um, you know, competing with each other. Even though God was using them greatly, they still, uh, their flesh would still, um, rear up in that area. They still hadn't crucified the flesh in that area, you could say. And, you know, um, they a lot of them in those days, they had tent me- tents that they'd take around, or that's how they mainly did these revival meetings uh, to different uh, cities in the United States. And, you know, they, the, they, always wanted, they always wanted to have the biggest tent. So, if they found out their, you know, the other preacher had a bigger tent, they'd actually go out and purchase another bigger tent because they they wanted to be the biggest tent. They wanted to be the biggest attraction, you know. Um, They weren't so much supporting each other in some ways as competing against each other, and yet God was still using them. You know, it shows that none of us are immune to this. I mean, I could ask you, how how are you, um, God's called you possibly to a ministry, or you have ministries, or you have gifts, and maybe you're on the been set on the shelf for a while. Maybe you're at a new church, or you just haven't had an opportunity in church you're at yet, Um, and maybe your friend came at the same time or something, and God begins to use them mightily there. How do you you take the success of others? It's really one of the hardest tests of Christian maturity, is it not? I don't think there's a clearer mark of Christian maturity than to be able to genuinely, like Paul did, rejoice when you're not in the limelight. And your brother or sister, uh, God is really using them, you know, out out in the out in the limelight, so to speak. Um, can you generally rejoice when you see the success of another? Um, Ephesians four two. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Hebrews ten twenty four. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds you know can you take the success of others Um, how do you feel like if you're kind of set aside for a season and one of your good friends God is really using them you know how does that make you feel do you rejoice for them do you get in and intercede for them and pray for them and encourage them or do you kind of shrink back and you don't know what to think maybe you're a little hurt you know God gave me a word about three years ago and I'm a 66 years young been in the ministry for since I was 16 or 17, you know, basically teaching, even pastored for a while. And, you know, he gave me a word about three years ago through a very um, man that's half my age. And God said to me, Matt, you know, uh, through this man, I'm going to make you into a ladder that people will climb on and climb over into my presence and into further truth in God. And, you know, I think even 20 years ago I'd have had a hard time with that word because a ladder, what a humble place to be in. People are going to climb over me and go beyond me. That would have been hard to receive. But now, you know, God's changed my heart. I want to empower the next generation. I want to give back to those that are you know, younger than me in the faith, and I want to give of what God has given me, and I want them to go beyond where I'm at. Um, like I said, there would have been a time where I'd have had a hard time with that. And sometimes I think, you know, I'm not perfect. Maybe maybe we still do, unless, or I still do, or we still do, unless we're really checking our heart in this area. Rivalry causes rejoicing. How are you doing with that? <laughs> Can you rejoice? When you see those others around you that you know you come up with in the faith, God's really using them, and you seem to be on the sideline for a time. Let's go on to the next uh, portion of Scripture, verses 19 and 20. This is the next theme: testing produces triumph. Testing produces triumph. Triumph, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance or salvation. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Okay, so that's verses 19 through 20. Uh, testing produces triumph. This, when he starts out and he says, For I know this. This refers to the fact that Christ is being even more widely proclaimed due to Paul's imprisonment. And isn't that amazing? Who would have ever thought that? You know, you would have thought, oh, he's shut down because he's in prison. (laughs) But actually, because he was spreading the gospel to the Roman army through the Praetorian Guard, and actually because others were going out racing out there because he wasn't out there in the public eye, so to speak— the, gov- the the gospel was even being proclaimed more so, you know. For I know this, that even more widely proclaimed was the gospel because of, you know, because he was in prison. What happens if you? it would seem in our own mind that the best thing would be for Paul not to have been imprisoned. And we wouldn't have these beautiful epistles like Ephesians and Philemon, right? Colossians. And when we're talking about deliverance, we could also use the word salvation, soteriai. Soteriai is the Greek word. It's not referring to physical salvation, but more of a connotation of the well-being of one's emotions and health. The word means deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. It can be physical, but it's more uh, spiritual or emotional. The context will always decide the meaning. The beautiful truth here that I want you to catch is the knowledge uh, that Paul's imprisonment uh, by Paul, the knowledge he had of his imprisonment was actually advancing the gospel message. He had that revelation, and it was like a tonic to Paul's soul. It was, you could call it, his salvation, his relief. It brought him well-being. He wasn't worried and all uptight. Uh, and for a lot of people, it would have done the opposite, right? And brought discouragement and worry, but not for Paul. Because he knew that this was what God intended for that season. Um, let's go on here. My, um, for this, For I know this, that this will turn out for my deliverance or salvation, whether literally that he would be brought out from under chains or not you know, through your prayer. And prayer is so important here. They were praying for him, you know. They were interceding for him. Oh, how men of God, women of God, those in the ministry, those of us ministering need prayer. This would not have been possible, this great outpouring of the gospel, the way it was going forth through the Praetorian Guard, through the other people that were out there because Paul wasn't. This would not have been possible without intercession. Your, Your minister, your pastor... Uh, those that are over you in the gospel, they need your prayers, my friends. They need your your intercession for the gospel to really go forth in power the way God wants it to. Verse twenty, when we talk about earnest expectation, earnest expectation, apokara dokia, apopara dokia. I think is the way we say that. Literally means away the head to watch, away the head to watch, to look. To, to watch to crane and stretch one's head or neck and the best way I can describe this is when I uh, how this is you know uh, in the physical was when I was a boy and my dad would take me in Ohio up to Lake Erie to watch these air shows and we'd come away from that at the end of the day with our necks aching because we were always craning our necks to see the airplanes the acrobatics they were doing and this is the this is kind of the connotation here spiritually we have to be craning our neck, craning our heart, craning our spirit in eager expectation. Romans 8, 19 talks about awaiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. The earth is, is groaning, as it were, for that, and stretching, as it were, and, uh, you know, stretching our heart, as it were. You know, that's the the idea here. An intense focus not looking anywhere else, but riveted on something, just like my dad and I would be riveted on those airplanes at the air show. In this context, uh, the next phrase defines what Paul is focused or riveted on with his whole heart and being. So he's he's stretching out there with his heart. He's craning to see this in the Spirit. Verse 20, earnest expectation. Uh, what's he What's he craning to see with his whole heart? In nothing I shall be ashamed, it says, but with all boldness, with all boldness, this literally means to have the total freedom of speech. As he was in house arrest, he could have given in to fear of the government. See, he didn't really know what they would do if he was under house arrest, how much freedom in that house he would have. But he was bold anyway and began to preach to the guard and the, go- and the gospel was carried out through them to the rest of the Roman army. And uh, so he was not afraid. And boy, that's a word for us today. You know, there's a lot of cancel culture out there. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next months or even couple years. What they will do when men and women preach the gospel from the pulpit in real truth and speak out against those things that are displeasing and sinful before God. But see, Paul had a boldness. He wasn't ashamed. And we need to be same, the same way in this day and age. He was under house arrest. He could have given in to fear of the government, the Roman Empire, maybe worried about being uh having retaliation being retaliated on for his preaching. He could have shrunk back and failed in the mission as a gentile apostle. He wanted his prayer then was he he didn't want to be ashamed. He wanted their prayer like it says, he wanted to maintain his bold testimony as shown uh like he had before with with no let up even as as his missionary career was like that. He wanted to show the same boldness even though he was in chains, right? Note, it was Paul's intense desire or earnest expectation to magnify God uh, in or with his whole being and heart, not just words, even if he he had to lay down his life uh, for the gospel as a martyr. yeah, even if that had to happen. You know, he was going to magnify Christ in his body. Christ will be magnified in my body. Magnify, literally, to make great, conspicuous, to get glory and praise. Remember what Paul said in chapter 3? We're going to get into that. You know, um, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high uh, calling of Christ. And previously, right before that, he says, you know, that I might know him. He wanted to know Him. He wanted to press toward that mark and make Christ known, right? Uh, Let's read a cross-reference. 1 Corinthians 4, 5-12. We do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Christ's sake. 1 Corinthians 4, 5-12. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the gospel of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, such a beautiful verse. I love this verse. In earthen vessels, that the excellence that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side. You know, we talked about that first principle, you know, advancing through adversity. Are you hard-pressed today? I bet you aren't as hard-pressed as Paul was. We are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are destroyed or we are we are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but never destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to the death of for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. Yes, you know he was really hard pressed. He went through a lot of things. I think we've talked about that before? The great trials he went through—shipwrecked and beaten and get stoned, given up for dead. You know, hard pressed. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know, they're they're like. They're like the nature of a seashell, real fragile. And that's what our vessel really is like, you know? And and the beauty of that is so the power of God can flow and show through us, right? Uh, Let's read some more cross-references here. We're talking about testing produces triumph. Um, Job 23.10, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. How does gold come forth? It's put through a real intense fire and the impurities are brought out of that gold, you know, Uh, all of them are brought out from the gold so it can be pure, right? 1 Peter 1, 6-7 In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful uh, scripture? We greatly rejoice, even though for a little while we're having trials, we're advancing through adversity. Why? That the genuineness, the testing of our faith being much more precious than gold that perishes as it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the most important thing? It sure is. You know, all our works one day, it says, all elsewhere will be tested as a fire to see if they hold up or not. Well, let's look at the very last um, theme here in this chapter, verses uh, 12 to 26, and now we're in verse 21. Uh, And we're going to go to 26, and this will be the end of this portion that I'm talking about today of Scripture, advancing through adversity. Death unveils delight. Let's look at verse 21. Death unveils delight. For to me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. But I live on in the flesh. This will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell for I am hard-pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your joy and progress of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. So let's break this down again. Again, a beautiful portion here. A beautiful portion. For to me for me to live is Christ to die is gain. See, he was conflicted here whether he should stay here in this life and minister to them and give them what they need or be home in glory with the Lord. He was really conflicted. <clears throat> and yet it was a joyful conflicted. Affliction. I've talked about this before, you know. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain, it wasn't some Eeyore attitude. Oh, you know, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, because things are so tough. I, I'm living every day. I get up every day, and I preach to these Praetorian guards. I wait on the Lord right here in the jail. I write these epistles. I, I'm having the time of my life right now. And yet, uh, if you take me away, Lord, from this earth, I'm going to be even j- more joyful because I'll be in your presence. See, it was a hard choice that way for him. He was happy either way. Um, I think when this first started out, he was probably leaning toward going to heaven uh, to be with the Lord. But yet, um, as we go on in this tr- verse, we see some, um, you know, that, that I think he finally came to the conclusion that he should stay. Um, the fruit of his labor the fruit of his labor, you know. They were the fruit of his labor, were they not? Um, he, he was confident um, that he should remain, it said in the end. He had a settled conviction that the Philippians really needed him, uh, maybe more than being with the Lord in heaven. Um, <clears throat> Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh, um, he says, uh uh, Let's look at some of these notes. He had a desire, a passionate desire to depart, um, to strike the tent. Um, He's talking about here, um, let me see. Nevertheless, remaining remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident, um, if I shall remain and continue with you... um, so, there's an a idea here of him striking the tent to be home with the Lord. You know, he was a tent maker, strike the tent, be home with the Lord, because we're talking about soldiers too. And yet, he decided, you know, the best thing was uh, to continue. Same, again, this word here, continue, is the same. It looked at earlier as advance, as progressing forward in the beginning. The same word. Um, so, those are some of the, the ideas there. He was coming to them again to be beside them, you know, um, to be beside them and encourage them, you know. So that's, those are some of the thoughts there. Let me see. Uh, fruit of my labor, what, yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two. That is staying with them or going to be with the Lord, having a desire to depart, that phrase has to do with striking the tent. That's what that I I didn't get to that. I didn't uh, my notes were kind of off off keel there, so to speak, or remain in the flesh, continue with them. You know, um, that's what that was talking about. With Christ is far better. That's a Christian's view of death, of course. Uh, however, for me to live as Christ to die is gain paul's view he was content, like I said, overjoyed either way, he was not point, pining for or uh, you know depressed about not getting to heaven yet um and i'd ask us, what about us? Are we living such a life where we're just we just can't wait to get up and out of bed in the morning and, and do what God wants us to do and uh, do His will and see what the Lord would do with us that day. Are we are we that excited about life? A fulfilled, walking out God's plan daily with excitement and yet at the same time we're, we're all ready in our hearts to go to heaven if that's what happens? You know, where are we at in our attitude that way? Colossians 3, 4, when the Christ... Our life may be manifested. Then also we, with him, shall be manifested in glory. Colossians three four, Acts seventeen twenty eight. I'm picking up some cross references. For I love this verse. For in him, you know, Luke Luke wrote this book, but it's it's Paul speaking. I be, believe, and it's a quote of the Old Testament. In him we live and move and have our being. Is that the way you are? Is that the way you live? In Him I live. I move. I have my being. Every breath I breathe, I breathe in from you, Father. You know? Um, in Him we live and move and have our being. Acts 7, 20, 17 28. To die, when we're talking about to die in this verse uh, up here, to die is gain. Literally, to have died is what this means. This is showing the state that the state of death will usher in. A, a, and it will usher us into a more glorious heavenly realm. Let's read another cross-reference. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 1-8. 1 Corinthians 5, 1-8. For we know that if our heavenly house, this tent, is destroyed, there's that word tent again, right? You know, We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but we want to be further clothed with that glorious body that God is going to give us, right? That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Wow. Verse 6, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Beautiful piece of scripture there. Um so we're talking about death unveils the light. Let's let's put the wording this way: of uh, what this is, what we're saying here, kind of a um, a Greek recap, you know. Um, Christ living in Paul as a motivating, energizing, pulsating principle and force that has transformed his life, his entire life and existence. Are in the circumference of Christ. Let me read that again. This shows that Christ was living in Paul as a motivating, energizing, pulsating principle and force that transformed his entire life and existence, one in the circumference and spirit of Christ. Remember that scripture I quoted that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 10 of Philippians. Paul is God's human instrument through whom God uh, works to bring joy to the Philippians. Are you his instrument today? Are you living a motivating, energized, pulsating, uh, transformative life where your whole life and existence is in the circumference of Christ where you can say, um, you know, in him I live and move and have my being. Is that the life you're living today? So let me close. Let me close. We're going to give you those four points again. I've waxed along here, but this has been a good lesson. Advancing through adversity. Philippians one twelve to 26. The four qualities of authentic Christian faith. These cannot be faked. These are rubber-meet-the-road qualities. Either you have them or you don't. If you don't have them today, that's okay. God is still working with you. He's going to produce them in you if you trust Him. Number one, adversity means to advance. Number two, rivalry causes rejoicing or should cause rejoicing. Number three, testing produces triumph. And number four, death unveils delight. Those are the four themes we went over today in Advancing Through Adversity. So let me ask you some questions as we close. I want you to just uh, bow your heart and examine your heart. What do you think, for you, is really living? What kind of circumstance do you have to have, or do you want to have, or have to have, before you can say, now I'm really living? What do you substitute, some of you may, for for Christ, in those words of Paul? For me to live as Christ, Paul said, but what do you say? For me to live is money, and then to die is to lose it all, isn't it? For me to live is fame, uh, and if you live for fame, maybe someday you'll fi- they'll find your um, write-up in a nice obituary, you know. we got Moe's obituaries over here. My wife has the book of some famous obituaries by different men and women, but that's all they are. I mean, people may remember them and read about them again, but they're you know, in comparison to what we could have in Christ, they're they're forgotten, you know, words in a book. You know, uh, to die is a name and an obituary in the paper. Um, maybe people won't ever see it again after they read it there. To me, for me to live is pleasure. Is that what life is for you? Um, then to die is go is to go to the unknown. For me to live is health. You know, a lot of people are really, you know, they, they worship their body almost. They get it so in shape. Maybe you have the, the athletic conditioning of, a, of a, a world-class Olympic athlete. Maybe you can't compete like that, but maybe your body's in that kind of condition. I wish mine was in better condition. Uh, but once you die, that's all there is, or eventually your body will break down. You know, second law of thermodynamics. You see, the only thing that makes sense in this life is to say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live as Christ. Because then you can say, if you can say that with all your heart, for me to live as Christ, then you know to die is gain because you have that confidence in God. The truth about the Christian faith is that heaven begins down here. We're not looking for these outward things like money, fame, you know, pleasure. You know, that that's not our reward. Our reward is Christ and His blessings. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, with every spiritual blessing. I want you to catch that in heavenly places today, right? For me to live as Christ with all the blessings in heavenly places, right? They're all mine. They're all promised to me. Ephesians 2.6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Jesus Christ. Who are you living for today, my friend? Are you saying like Paul, you know, um, I want to live and move and have my being in him for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Is that what you're saying today? You know, are you advancing through adversity? You know, are you, are you seeing the gospel go forth and you don't care if you're the quarterback or, you know, you're the lowly blocker that nobody knows about? Uh, how's your testing of your faith going? Are you coming forth as gold or do you still need some work in that area? And can you really have that faith in God today that know you're totally at peace whether you're living or whether you would pass on? Uh, that is Advancing Through Adversity, Philippians 1, 12-26. Thank you so much for being with the Kingdom Corner podcast once again. Uh, till next time, be blessed and go in God. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on the Kingdom Corner hosted by Matt guybe Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, SignificanceAcademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.